fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, they understand uniquely, and they see the world in their own ways. Don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often the story behind the story is what really inspires me. I want to know where ideas come from. That's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. So hello and welcome to the creative backstory. We're coming to you from JuxtaHub, which is Emmaus, Pennsylvania's arts and innovation center where people come together to gather, create, and grow. And uh, on our podcast, we're here to discuss all the things that happen behind the scenes of art, the making of, the inception of, the thought processes behind, all that good stuff. My guest today is singer, songwriter, and musician Walter Parks. Walter's career includes 10 years on the road with Richie Havens. Most recently, Walter's been asked by the Library of Congress to archive his research and perform the music he wrote about the Okefenokee Swamp Homesteaders. The collection, called Hollers, Hymns, and Reels, is an amazing piece of Americana that, in my opinion, should be required curriculum in American history classes. In addition, Walter's inspired take on everyday happenstance occurrences like breakfast at the Waffle House or walking by a guy with a guitar on the back porch and the deep truth about Ponce de Leon are all well documented in his songs. Walter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me to spend a little time with you, Kelly. Thank you. This is this will. I'm looking forward to this. I always learn some things. So. Uh, <laughs> me too. This has been really fun. So. I guess we'll start about, let's talk about songwriting first. So, you know, when you approach a blank page, what happens next? Nothing. I just don't really do it that way. It's um, I, the, the blank page for me is, is generally, um, it's either one or two things. It's an old guitar that's sitting in the corner or, but I, I know you're speaking in metaphor. So, you know, it's, it's uh, the blank pages is, is one of my old vintage guitars, or maybe just a, a rainy morning that I wake up to. And, but I'm, I'm not the kind of writer that is, is disciplined in, in the sense of today, I'm going to write between 8am and 10. I just don't do it that way. And I know that a, a lot of writers do. I know that's a big thing in Nashville to kind of uh, structure your yourself and take it really, uh, take it, uh, you know, just adhere to a schedule, you know, and, and it, it's almost sort of a, a corporate or business model. And I'm, I'm not knocking that. It just doesn't really work for me. I've tried it. And, and the fact is I do have some aspect of structure. And I'll talk to you about that later, but I don't, I don't, I don't write on a schedule. So my blank page is a guitar that's sitting there. Um, it, it can be an, a wonderful walk. Like I said, it can also be a particular town or a particular area, but more than anything, my blank page is just a little time off, just a, a little a moment when I just take a breather and forget about my list of things to do, forget about my projects. And I always have, you know, let's say there's about 25 lines on a, on a, on a legal pad, you know, a piece of notebook paper or so. 
I've always got all of those lines filled up with things that I have on my plate. So if I can do something, go to a museum, sit in my backyard, build a little fire, just listen to the birds while I'm having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine at dusk, um, that, that will put me in the most receptive state to maybe get a song idea. So that, that's my blank piece of paper. Um, I, I do, sometimes I, I, I do get lyrical ideas or, or you know, melodic ideas or, or melodies in my head that come to me. And I, I will then find a blank piece of paper or I'll, or I'll find a little recorder on my cell phone um, and put these ideas down. But the, the precursor for me being on input, as I call it, is just to, to clear a little time, just to clear a little bit of time. And th there's other precursors that we can talk about, but that, that's my blank page. It's just nothing to do for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. So, And uh, as you're writing, I don't know, maybe give me an example of something um, you've written recently and just kind of talk about that process of how it gets from idea to lyric to music well there's um this is a that's a the question will aptly demonstrate another aspect of what i wanted to talk about which is having a goal now that's you know a lot of writers might say let's get together and write a song and what works for me rather than just two people being in the same room is me saying to myself, I, or me being assigned a project to write about, I will say to myself, I'm, I'm feeling a little blue about, uh, you know, it can even be, I don't know, I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm thinking about my father who passed away two years ago. Why, why is that? Why am I thinking about that now? What do I feel? And I'm, and I might, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm. That, that, that's not really the way. That's not really the way I do it. When, when I write from my heart, Kelly, the truth is, it. When I write from my heart, it just comes to me. When I write from the outside, I do it the way that I was getting ready to describe to you. I don't sit down and say I want to think about my father's, like how I feel about my father's loss. I, I just. I'm either sad or I'm not, and I and I and I try to stop what I'm doing. I don't I don't I don't clear space out. I just stop what I'm doing and just deal with it. But if I have a project, if for some some re, if if for instance, Discovery Channel contacts me and they say we want you to write a, a song about shrimpers in the Gulf of Mexico, then I will stop what I'm doing and or approach that more in a more of a corporate business uh, way I will I will just clear my schedule and say all right now for the next two hours I'm going to work on that so if I have a goal if I have a purpose if I if I have a a beacon to head towards I can write I really write well in that way I I, I do good work it's it's efficient 
I tend to get the gigs. I, the music supervisors or the, the advertising people tend to like my work. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really good with, with heading towards a target and writing the, 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 the truth is though, Kelly, I don't do that for my own heart. I don't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about something I might, you know, I, an aspect of my psyche or my energy. I just, I just don't, I'm just not that sort of uh, methodical about it. If, if it's something from my heart, it just has to, it has to overcome me. And I just, if I'm walking the dogs or if I'm, <laughs> if I'm driving across the country, I'll, I'll pull over and jot down the idea. I just, I, be, I really believe in stopping what I'm doing and documenting my heart and my feelings in the moment. Now that's, that's for me. And if, if somebody hires me to do a project, I will, I write well from that. So that to answer your question recently, something that I worked on recently was because we're, we're taping this at the beginning of May in the year, two weeks ago, it doesn't matter whatever year we're watching, you all are watching this broadcast. Two weeks from the beginning of May is this thing we celebrate called Earth Day. So I got, a, um, I got an assignment to, to write a song about Earth Day. Okay, what am I going to... I'm not the kind of writer who... I'm, I'm not a political writer. I'm not an environmental writer. I don't, I don't go around... Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not that sort of Pete Seeger kind of Bob Dylan kind of Bruce Springsteen. Let's talk about the man sort of thing and how you know, I'm not a social injustice writer. I've never it's just not my thing. And so I got this assignment two Earth Days ago from a, a concert promoter in Washington, D.C. And I just. Yeah, I couldn't get through the song. I couldn't write it because I just <laughs> I realized, you know, I can I can complain about polluters and and how short sighted we are. And I can I can relate to that on one one hand, but I, I just couldn't I couldn't write the song. And what I couldn't I couldn't express the 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 archetypical chips on my shoulder that I think would have pleased the people who commissioned me to write this. I couldn't have I I couldn't have been that collective voice against pollution or or, or against the anti-environment establishment. What I couldn't do that because I, I realized I was a part of it. I, you know, I, I drive an automobile. I, 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 I'm a part of pollution. I'm a part of the whole dirty picture. And I just, I couldn't figure out who, who am I to complain about how we treat mother earth when, when I don't live off the grid, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, yeah, I'd kind of love to live off the grid just, cook my food over campfires and never burn any gas and all that other stuff. Um, but that, I, I just couldn't figure out how to write the song. I just couldn't get, I couldn't get the, the internal froth up to write it. So 
I wrote the damn thing like 40 times before <laughs> I even got it to where I, I felt presentable that I could even do it. And I, I, I created, here's how I survived. Here's, here's how I was able to write the song. I realized I was going down this trap of trying to picture somebody else, another voice complaining about the misuses or the mistreatment of the environment. And, and I realized I, I'm going down a trap here. I just have to think about what has been my personal action against unstewardly behavior as it relates to the environment. I just had to ask myself, what have I done in my life to, to afford me the right to talk about this issue? And it just, it took me like two years to, to be able to come up with something that I could even present. And so my, the song that I, I, um, came up with this it's it's called mama's gonna get the last word and mama is a um, metaphor for mother earth and so and i just uh, the 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 end refrain of no matter no matter what you've made in life uh no wait gosh i should look at the lyric i don't have them. it's too new for me uh, no, no matter what you've done in life no matter what you've made mama's gonna get you when you're lying in your grave you know, and uh, that kind of thing. It's like you, you, we're none of us are resilient to the ravages of Mother Earth. Yeah. No matter how, no, no matter what we build, um, the, the, the way we use the environment in terms of creating steel or stone and is going to outlive us for sure. But at the end of the day, Mother Earth is even going to wipe out all our creations. So, you know, I had a little fun with it. And, uh, and I like to, I like to have a little fun when, even when I'm writing about something serious, I kind of like to use the, uh, the device of satire to get people's attention. Right. And I'm thinking about something. Um, I had a, a speech professor in college. She was a theater person who somehow drew the short straw and had to teach a speech class. And she said, theater is about love. She goes, it's about how to get it, what to do with it, how you lose it all those things. And sometimes I think music is like that. So if you're saying, you know, the environmental thing maybe isn't your, your bent for, for writing, you just have to bend it to where you love it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And what, what I, and what happens with me sometimes when I'm assigned a project, um, especially if it's a project that doesn't immediately grab me is I, the part of it that I love, sometimes is is the part of it that I forget, which is I love the the device of humor and satire a little bit. And I so that's what I forgot in this case. That was the long answer. I mean I was I, I can say it in other words as if I was I was assigned a project to write a song about uh, anti-environmental causes and so on. A song, a pro-environment song and it just I just couldn't I I, I felt I was a fraud and imposter to do that I felt I wasn't qualified so I had to use the device of humor and I and, and the metaphor that I used was was mama as mother mama's going to get the last word no it's good and and so it finally worked so did you hand it in did <laughs> uh, 
I handed it in, but it's it's I'm still not. I, I handed it in because I had a, a Zoom meeting deadline and Deadlines. and uh, it's still not ready. The course is great. I'm really happy with the course. It's something like on the forecourt. It's it's like a bluesy thing. We let the president do the business and the preacher gonna get the witness. But mama's gonna get, mama's gonna get, mama's gonna get the last word. Yes, she is mom. So it kind of has a little gospel kind of, remember that song called, uh, in the summertime, da, 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 yep. da, 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 it kind of has that mama's gonna get, it kind of has that vibe. And oh, that's uh, great. I don't have any guitars here. I'd, otherwise I'd demonstrate it for you, but um, I can go down and get one, but. Uh, but anyway, but so, I love that storytelling aspect. Like you do a lot of that stuff. Like you could take, you know, I said in my intro, we talked about the Waffle House and, and I think that that that's probably one of the more memorable songs. Like you've, you've played house concerts at my place with, with my husband and, and, and we've walked into, um, uh, places where we've seen friends and they just looked at us and yelled butter. Do you want to tell yeah. the story about the Waffle House? Seriously, yeah. butter, you know, from a car. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, that was writing the, the song about butter was that one. That one was essentially when you boil it all down. It, I have a song about Southern cooking and, 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 and I, and I, I took a friend of mine from the North down South and he had never tried grits and he was really dietary conscious and, um, it's hard to imagine that anybody has never tried grits before, but he hadn't. And he, he, I, I wanted to introduce him to, I really wanted to give him a sort of a deep dive into Southern cooking. And I took him straight to the waffle house and he goes and this, this story is he goes into the waffle house and, uh, uh asks for grits without butter. And, uh, and the waiter says, I'm sorry, sir, but they gonna be butter. So now I, that story in all truth was, was something that I heard other musicians talk about. Now they said they were on the road in a truck stop and that's what happened. So they, they actually heard a waiter say, they gonna be butter. And and I just, I heard some guys talking about that and I made a whole song out of it. Now, here's the thing. I just went with this concept of somebody saying in a, in a Southern truck stop, they gonna be butter. I don't even know if they were talking about grits. I made that part of it up. But in order to write that song, I took my old acoustic guitar and I went to as many waffle houses as I could all over the South from Shreveport, Louisiana, to Baton Rouge, to, to Lake Charles, to Jackson, Mississippi, to Pensacola, Florida, all over the place. And I would talk to the wait staff. I'd talk to the customers if I could without getting kicked out of there. And I just got material until I wrote that thing. And it was, it was so fun, but I used, I used two elements to get through and survive the, the writing of that song to really hit home with it. I used the element of a story, which you brought up earlier. I turned it into a story. I turned it into the story of walking into the Waffle House and seeing those 
uh, red Naga hide chairs there and you, and you sit in those chairs before somebody tells you that you can take a seat. And then I, you know, I, I, I just, I just sat and collected all the imagery of, of all the waffle houses I was in until I got enough, until I got through the song, I had, I had enough imagery and, and rhyme to, to get through it. And, and it was all about a story. Uh, so it started with a true story that I uh, embellished, if you will. And I embellished it by going to Waffle Houses and, and figuring out how I'd get through it. And that's exactly what I did with Mama's Gonna Get the Last Word. And, and I'm not sure I'm going to stay with this, but I remember, I remember what helps me if, if I'm given an assignment to write a song. If I put myself, if I ask myself, what has been my experience that has, that will validate me writing a song about this subject matter? And what I thought is I used to get in, go to city council meetings in Jersey City, and I would, I would get all riled up about people tearing down old buildings, developers tearing down old buildings and that sort of thing. And I, I knew I knew about the fervor. I knew about how that felt when you stood up in front of the whole town, in front of the public, and were on public record as objecting to something that the whole town had a momentum towards. The whole town wanted to get this developer in there, and I'd stood up and said, hey, wait a second. And it's not that I don't want you guys to make money, but maybe, maybe we ought to look at these old buildings in a different way. If you guys, if you guys just keep the, if you open up the space in the old buildings, then you're going to have, you're going to have this kind of warehouse living thing that is absolutely, you can, nobody can compete with that in, in the New York area. The only way you can compete with it is to go to Soho and pay astronomical prices. So I was trying to, to flip their thinking around, but I realized that Hey, I'm a musician. I'm kind of a public figure. I'm getting all excited about a local neighborhood development uh, initiative, and, and maybe I ought to just chill. But my whole point in saying that, Kelly, is that I—that's how I'm going to get through this song about Mother Earth and the environment. It's going to be this developer who goes before a city council, and he promises jobs and he promises a better way of life for this small town. And, and yet I'm, I'm the dissenting voice in the, in the audience that stands up and says, hold on a minute, you know, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be poisoning the well, our, our cattle are going to get sick, uh, and, and all this other stuff. And so I'm using my own experience to, um, I guess you'd say validate uh, my voice on this subject matter. That's a long, long answer, but you know, that's the best I can do. That's good. So do you prefer writing your own stuff or do you, do you enjoy that collaborative process with, with other writers? I know you, you know, you play in bands and I know bands are like families, you know, I've never really been able to write with band members. Mm -hmm. It's, I love the band members that I've that I've that I play music with, but I've I've for 
for whatever reason, I've never felt like any of the other musicians that I've worked with in bands have um, seen eye to eye with me in, in terms of uh, compositional issues, in terms of lyric issues. And I have better luck just writing with other writers, you know, other songwriters like I could probably write a song with you and then play it in my band, Swamp Cabbage, if we came up with something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that would work. For some reason, I just, I, 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 could, I could say to you, and I could also be okay with you saying to me, it's like, Walt, that, that, that's just, a, I think we can dig a little bit better on that metaphor or something like that. You could say that to me and I'll be okay with it. And, but if I say to a band member, you know, that's, you know, that's really, that's, that's kind of a cheap shot. I think we can dig a little better. Then people get a little bit bent out of shape. It, it's just, I, oh, I just, it, it just doesn't work with me. You know, when it, when it doesn't work, it it's harder to, um, it's harder to say, all right, this isn't working. I'm, I'm done with this and, and move on. Cause you can't move on. You got to keep playing music with the person. And right. so, I mean, I would love it. I would love it if I was on the road and between Tampa and Tallahassee, I'm riding with some of my other band members. What a constructive way to do it. But it just doesn't work with me. I There is a fellow that I'm working with now, and you probably know him. His name is Rob Curto. He's an accordion player. He's in Philly, not not far from you. Yeah. And he he's, he's now playing with my band, Swamp Cabbage. So Rob... I mean, Rob has his own band as well, but he also tours with Swamp Cabbage. And he's been the first uh, team player, other musician, co a colleague, musical colleague that I've ever been able to write with. That's cool. And Yeah. So. I don't know. I've never, I've never actually tried to write with other people. I think it would be fun. It would be good exercise. I don't know. I find, I find musicians a lot of the times very, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to say pissy on the fancy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they're just very, this is my area. This is your area. And, mm. you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of girl. Like when I think the project's important, when the work is important, I can put my ego aside a little, but sometimes, and I'm not saying that's what you're doing. I'm just saying I found it difficult in that way. Yeah, I, I, I get it. It's, um, it's, that sort of territoriality um, will will make me yeah makes it hard it, it makes it hard <laughs> but I you know I have I, I have to say honestly I'm I'm kind of stubborn so I'm sort of territorial too so well, I think I we mean, all I, are I have, yeah I have to be honest with it I mean I, I if I if I come in with I really, really, really have to respect the writer before I let my territoriality down a little bit. Yeah, and I, sure. I really have to say, you know, I, I think you're right about that. My idea is not as good as yours is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I writing is something. Lyric writing, even though I sometimes do it, especially for my swamp repertoire, I sometimes do it with a comical device you know it i take it really seriously yeah. and it's not so i just don't 
I don't throw out. I just don't, I don't throw out lines. Now, sometimes a song will just come to me in five minutes and sometimes it's a really good song. But I mean, for instance, in the Waffle House, I'm sitting there staring at the, the round ceiling lights in the Waffle House and I'm like, there's something there. What, what about those lights? And I'm like, so, and the line came to me and I was like, they look like they should be in the MoMA of New York. No, they they look like they're mid-century moderns, and I and I, I, I and I came to the, under the neo-modern chandeliers, the wonderful sheen on the butter appears, you know. And so, Great. you know, and you I, put I, the word lipids in that song, which I really right. appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear the word lipids in a song. No, uh, you much. never and do. I, I, I don't. Let's see. Uh, yeah, you. I'm on the spot here and I sang the song last night at a gig in St. Louis and I can't even remember it when I'm, um, maybe I'll, I'll go down and get the guitar and play it. I'll put a link in on our Facebook page so people can find, um, butter and, uh, some other things that we'll pick out as we go along. But, um, so we talked about the process we've talked about collaboration which is always hard when it works though when collaboration works it is the best thing like when you just when everybody gets out of their way I have a couple of of when I work with producers when I'm doing video or 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 marketing writing or whatever I love nothing more than to talk to people about it and then we take this you know take section c out and then it always comes together and it's such a cool thing yeah, and it's I, I I can write with other writers much faster than I can can uh, write on my own for the most part, and I like doing it. I just I, I, I you're reminding me and you're inspiring me to 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 try and do some of that. Maybe in this still in the COVID age, I should just try it with Zoom or something. I know, right? Yeah. But um, all those things are good. Like, All right, so this is something I love asking songwriters because the answer, I think, is just to write a lot of songs. But how do you know your stuff is good? Like when you're writing it, like how do you get out of your head enough to say, this is great, or this is great beyond me thinking it's great? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, sure it does. Uh, to me, I know when a, a song is good when it when it's the most like nature, and it's nature has all of these different elements and colors and textures all represented in one space. When there's, you know, when there's sadness and tangoing with joy, when black it meets white, you know, when rawness and smoothness are there. If you take a hike in the woods, there's going to be there's going to be all of that. There's going to be opposing forces. And and the other litmus test for me, Kelly, lyrically or harmonically or rhythmically or hook wise, all that. I have to ask myself and I have to be able to say, would I stop to listen to me if I were on the radio? Would I pay attention to this? If I were walking down the sidewalk and there was an open terrace and the band was playing inside the bar and playing my song, would I stop to listen to this song? And another thing 
the ease which with which a song is born is also another really important measure. Now, this may sound opposed to what I just said, because I say sometimes I write a song 40 times or something and it's laborious. I think the ones that come out sort of the quickest and just flow out of you are, are probably the most truthful. And so the ease with which they were born and that that is just balanced with all those other factors I said, but that's, and, and I will also say one more thing is I, I place a high degree of importance on reaction of other people. I will play a song for other folks and I can know right off if, even if they're my friends, and friends generally give you a good pat on the back and make you feel good, but songs just have different degrees of magic, different degrees of import with them, different degrees of connection with other, other people. And you may, I may have written a song 40 times and think it's pretty darn good and I play it for people and the, the, the song that it took me five minutes to write is just going to have this universality to it. I played one last night. It's called The Coming Home Holler. It, it didn't really take me much time to write. I generally open my song, my concerts with it. You might have seen me do it. I probably played it at your, yeah, I think your so. house. It starts with a holler. And I have, no matter who's in the audience, they can be a person who's 90 years old. Or in the case of last night, there were some like four young ladies in their early 20s came to my concert. They were in, they were, they lived in Southern Illinois and they saw, saw that I was playing in the paper. They came to see me and they loved those hollers, those simple hollers, hollers that I did not labor over to extract out of my soul. They just flowed out of me. So to answer your question, my most important measure of how I know a song is good is the is the fluidity and the ease with which it is by which it's given birth you know and and the other is just the connectiveness to people how sure and and how uniformly it connects with different people that's that's it for me and and of course when i start gigging out that's it's an it's another issue. And I'm, I am not ashamed to say that I think people coming up and asking me, where can I get this on? on have you recorded this song yet? That, that if, if, if people are willing to fork over their good hard earned folding money for it, yeah. that's a measure of it's a, if it's a good song. And, mm -hmm. you know, to that extent, I'm a, a very proud capitalist. I, I see nothing <laughs> wrong with just saying, Hey, you know, people, most of us come by our money with a little bit of hardship. And if somebody's willing to turn their money over for your song, then you're, you're on the right path. And I mean, I know that's very American of me and very, you know, business-like, but. Um, and that's why you do what you do though. I mean, I mean, we all have passion projects, but they're usually, you know, <laughs> we like, we like to, we got to eat. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not ashamed of, of that measure. I'm not yeah. ashamed to say that's an important measure for me. Yeah, it's great. 
So listen, I've got a million questions, but you said you had some things prepared. So I wanted to give you a chance of what you wanted to talk about for the creative process. If we've hit some of that or, um, well, uh, you know, I, I, we have hit some of it already. I think, I think one of the most important song, uh, one of the most important aspects of, of what we do as songwriters is, is we transport, you know, we, 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 we give people in their minds, at least something that's not there. We provide possibilities. Artists provide, we spark the imagination. We're bringing something to life that is not heretofore existed in a sense. So oh, it's that's yeah. what, that's what we supply to our listeners in a concert or when they're in their living room listening to us or in their car and they're listening to us on a CD player or something. We supply that, that spark, that hope, that possibility, that transport. But in order to supply that for people, we also need it for ourselves as creators. So what I like to do, and this, this is, it all makes sense. You know, we, what we need at the beginning is what we end up giving out at the end. And it's, if I'm feeling a little bit in a creative drought or something, or I, or, or I realize, hey, I haven't written a song for a while. I, I, I really don't ever labor over that kind of thing. I just, I, I probably should, but I have so many things going on in my life. What'll happen for me is I'll just, I'll feel this need, almost inexplicable need to go to a museum or something, you know, um, or to go out on a trail in the woods and, and, when when i when i just clear my schedule for a little bit of a moment then i start getting inspired by work or if i go to the symphony at pal hall in st louis or something and i hear them play Mahler's ninth symphony and i just close my eyes and i i i listen to the whole arc of life of of possibility and hope and falling in love and love not working out and the inevitability of death coming on all of that is in Mahler's ninth and not a word is spoken it's the soundtrack for the arc of life now when I when I'm in the symphony hall listening to a work like that my reaction is I, I would like to try to do my part I feel like kind of trying to live up to that greatness. I don't, I don't feel like, who am I? I'll never be as great as Mahler. I don't think I will be as great as Mahler. But my point is, is that it, Mahler reminds me of the greatness to which I can at least aspire. My, my, I have my own, my own summit to try to achieve. And because he has achieved his, I'm inspired to do the same for myself. And what, what art does when you go to a museum, you, you see a piece of abstract art, for instance, and, and it, it just kind of scrambles you up inside it. It, it sparks you, it makes you feel alive in a way. 
And sometimes it's inexplicable, but the power, what's important there is that oil on that canvas gave you something and awakened you in a way that you were not before. And that is a, a divine power. That is a divine act of changing another person's energy. And so sure. what I do with that is I then go back into my studio and I'm infused with this sense of possibilities that the artist has instilled in me. And infused with that sense of possibilities, I might pick up my guitar. But what really happens to be completely honest is when I'm driving home from the symphony hall or driving home from the museum, these, these song ideas start coming to me. And most of the time they're musical at first. For some people, maybe for you, it's lyrical. But for, for, for me, excuse me, for me, it's mostly musical. I'll get a, you know, a groove going in my head or a melody and I just have to come home and see if I can extract it and, and you know, give it a little life. But so again, to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very long winded today and I'm sorry about that, but I just, I, I, I try to, I remind myself of the, of the tail end, the end result, the end game of what we're doing as artists to transport people, to remind them of possibilities and to ignite their imagination. That's what we do when people come to our concerts. That's what we do to the audience when they listen to our songs. Yeah. But in order to get to that point, I have to have that myself. So, you know, I'll go to a museum and generally just get really sparked and go back to my studio and start writing. That's um, cool. What about musicians? What do you, who do you listen to that's inspiring? Well, uh, I, I'm really, I don't listen. I I'll answer your question. I mean, I, 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 I'm very inspired at present. It's, it's changed. Who I've, who I've been inspired by throughout my musical, throughout my life and my musical career has, of course, changed. At the moment, I'm really inspired by old, not old, but old school, black uh, Hammond organ players in churches. I don't listen, I really don't listen to guitar players, even though I play guitar. A passion of mine is taking the approach to the Hammond B3 organ when those guys are manifest, men or women are manifesting old spirituals, which used to be called Negro spirituals. They're really just field hollers that were married to an approach to Christian hymns from European culture. And those became spirituals. And the way those guys, men and women, play those in the churches is guiding my guitar playing right now. So that's what I'm yeah. most excited about Yeah. at the moment. Uh, that's cool. Because I remember um, one of your Sunday morning casts, you had, I was just, you know, Dave loves it when you, Dave is my husband, he loves it when, when you talk about um, the tools and 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 the stuff but that day you brought on an album that was like hand drawn and photocopied to make a cover and yeah it was just kind of but that old rapturous music which is cool so yeah and that was that was uh 
that was an album. He's referring to an album called uh, by a guy named Abner J. And Abner J was uh, an old black musician who had recorded in Northeast Florida near where I'm from. I'm from Jacksonville. So he was, he was out in the woods a little bit West of Jacksonville and his sound was playing a banjo with a pickup through a Fender tremolo amplifier. So he had all of this reverb on it. I, I mean, it could have been a Fender, uh, could have been a twin reverb. It could have been a deluxe, anything that had tremolo on it and reverb. And I've just never heard anything as spooky and reverent as that guy, Abner J on this record. And it, I, I, I'm looking at the record over here just because I, I brought it out again. On It's called Live at the Stephen Foster Center in White Springs, Florida. There's no other title on it. Um, it's too far away for me to grab since I'm on camera here, but, but that's, it's, it's, it's a marvelous example of a, of a person playing these old spirituals in a different way. And that's exactly what I try to do. Now, Abner J did it with a banjo and I do it with an electric guitar. Right. Right. That's pretty cool. Though. All and, right. You know, we, we have, for me, I, I just want to stress that it's, I, I can create anywhere. It's not about where I create there. It's nice to have a good clean. There's, a, there's this myth to that we have about, well, I want to be in a perfectly clean room with no clutter and just a guitar. And it, that's exactly where I need to create that. Just, that just doesn't work for me. What, what works better than anything is, being fired up by other people's work, be it listening to old spirituals or Mahler's Ninth Symphony or or Abner J playing a banjo through a Fender tremolo amplifier. At the end of the day, it's all about connection. If we're not communicating, and again, it doesn't, it, it, you don't need lyrics to communicate. There were no lyrics in Mahler's Ninth, for instance. There are no real lyrics in the, in the, I don't know if you've heard the band Pretty Lights. It's these five guys who get up with pianos and sequencers and this, this, all these lights around. And it's just, it's just a two hour concert of grooves and, and electronic sounds and electronic imagery. And they fill arenas and they fill amphitheaters and not a word is spoken, but yet they communicate. And if you're not communicating, albeit with lyrics or music, you gotta, you gotta change things up because you're just doing it for yourself, which is fine. But one has to ask oneself if one is an artist, in my opinion, if you're in a communication medium, which is the archetype of the troubadour if you if you if you hit the road with a guitar metaphorically then your your drive is to connect and if you are not connecting if you're not selling cds you're not selling tickets and you're not getting rebooked then one should either change what one is doing material wise or maybe get out get off get off the track and let other people get in there yeah. um sure but it's it's a because I, and that sounds harsh, but I, I'm saying that out of respect because I feel like 
the creative imperative is a divine imperative. I mean, it's it, the creation is a divine is is a divine act act and a divine honor, and so is the communication aspect, because. I'm in this game to inspire people. Sure, I'd like to make a little money, but at, 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 at the very, very least, I want to make, I want to help people to feel like life is worth living because that's, what's music, that's what music has done for me. No matter how complicated my life might've gotten through, throughout the years, I keep my eye on the prize and it's always my guitar in my hand. And that is my, that is my, my beacon of it really simplifies and, and orients me to what's the most important. And if I can do that, provide that somehow for other folks, then I, then I feel like I've done the greatest service. I love it. So we're kind of running down. Um, I asked if you could think of three things that are in your creative toolkit that might help inspire others in their creative journeys and I was wondering I was wondering if you want to share those with us well I I, I will put it I will put it to you in, in I will put three three things out that have been important for me to hold on to or keep in mind in, in creating and forgive me if I repeat myself but I think Above all, the three things that I that I'm the most reverent to in in trying to the three things that are the most important to me in the creative process are are just having good instruments, having good real. I, I in in my case, I use vintage instruments. They inspire me. A great musical instrument will actually play me you know, in a sense. Um, so the issue is surroundings, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's a good instrument that helps me to bring out something that I've, to helps me to mine something that I've never been able to mine. And it just, it, it does some of the work for me. And just because an instrument is old and vintage doesn't make it good doesn't mean that it's going to speak to you or be the right one for you so you have to be and and, and no matter what somebody tells you no matter what some salesperson tells you or no matter how valuable a particular instrument might be that means nothing if it doesn't make you play in a way that you haven't played before if it doesn't bring something out of you with ease so that's number one number two is just the surroundings in general I spent a week last week, Kelly, in Mississippi. That state has a way of playing me. You know, I'm talking about playing instruments, but that state just kind of plays me. And I would move all the way through, all over the state, playing little country churches. And I would be able to play these old hymns with a fluidity that I just can't play in other surroundings. It's inexplicable. I just, I don't know why. And Maybe it's because I, I'm playing some of those things in the epicenter where they came from. And sure. so the surroundings are so important to the, to the creative endeavor. Again, I try to get to museums as often as possible. I, I try to clear my schedule just sometimes even for 30 minutes 
out of a day and just sit down and just chill out with a glass of wine or coffee and just see what comes and, and just let life talk to me a little bit. Um, so the surroundings, don't be afraid to check in with the great works of other artists because they are living up to their potential and it, it can inspire you as an artist to live up to yours. And the other, for me, that works almost better than any other thing is having a project. I'm, I'm on a project right now to play in old churches throughout the South. I've always, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a really religious man, but I'm, I'm intrigued by the mystique and the power, even in the imagery, Kelly, oh, yeah. of seeing an old country church just off of the side of the road, even if I know that it's not even in use anymore, there's a mystique and a power there. And I want to try to understand what that is. So I'm on a project right now to play in different churches and record and talk about the church, learn as much as I can from the, from the na surrounding neighbors. And then I move on to another church. So that's a project and I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing spiritual standards and I'm also writing my own music within that journey. So, and, uh, at one point, I had a project. I was hired to write by the Discovery Channel a song about the, the shrimpers in the Gulf of Mexico. And that was easy to write for. Um, so having a project or the, the swamp music and the hollers that came out of the Okefenokee in Southeast Georgia, that was a project that I, that I, that I undertook with a clear beacon and a clear target. So... Those three aspects, great instruments, having a project and, and inspiring surroundings are, are what keeps me going uh, as, a, as a creative uh, you know, force, if you will. And I like to leave listeners with a little bit of a, um, where, can they, where can they find you? Let's see um, if they want to know more about Walter Parks and the stuff that you're doing. Where do you want to send them to? Kelly, I, the simplest thing is my website, walterparks.com. And that's uh, Walter and then P-A-R-K-S. I also have a, a, a new group that is releasing our first uh, record. It, the group is called the Unlawful Assembly. And we are um, we have a website of our own. It's the, un, the unlawfulassembly.com. And we're taking old spirituals and reimagining them kind of doing a contemporary twist on some of those as well as uh in that archive in that collection i'm i'm, I'm contributing some of my own songs as well so fantastic well thank you i know i feel like we could talk for another hour but maybe i can talk you into doing this again with me someday <laughs> so yeah i i i feel i feel uh, i had a long night of gigging last night in st louis and i just i feel like i've been a little windy and and circuitous in my in my answers and i yeah but I hope, not dull not yeah. dull my friend well, thank you thank you <laughs> i i'm i'm uh yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't speak in sound sound bites today i'm, I'm <laughs> i that's hope a, i don't that's a whole different skill set i can do that but i'm just too tired to do it right now that's but awesome. uh, i've enjoyed uh, I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed this time and uh, as always I consider it 
an honor to be asked about about how I do what I do. And like I say, more than anything, the most important aspect of what I do is maybe getting a shot at inspiring other people to to uh, to be creative. Because at, at the end of the day, creativity and the imperative of the artist is a divine imperative. It is spiritual. I think more than anything, that is that is every bit the force of. Of, of good spirituality if ever there was one so thank you awesome awesome thank you and we'll see you soon the creative backstory wouldn't be possible without the support of juxtahub emmaus pennsylvania's arts and innovation center where people from all walks of life gather create and grow if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com. 